Church, everyone else, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3 as today we are jumping back into our series in Galatians where we are learning how to understand, receive, and live out the gospel of grace. And today, in order to help us understand, receive, and live out the gospel of grace, I want to ask a question that our scriptural, our scripture will answer this morning, and that is, is faith in Christ really enough to enter into and experience all the blessings of being a part of the family of God? I'll ask that question again, is faith in Christ really enough to enter into and experience all the blessings of being a part of the family of God. Now let me refresh you a little bit about what's going on in Galatians. The last sermon I preached in Galatians was through Galatians 3 verse 5, uh, but it's been a month. We, we took a month break to do our Advent series, so it's been a month. Let me refresh you on what's going on in Galatians. Galatians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches in modern-day Turkey, and these were churches that he had planted. These were churches he had discipled. He had a relationship with them. He knows they've heard the gospel of grace because he was the one who preached it to them, but now he's away from them and he's concerned about them. And in this letter, he's so concerned that he skips all the normal pleasantries and expressions of thanksgiving and giving general news and updates like what we see in all of his other letters. And he gets right to the point in Galatians 1 verse 6, which you can just flip back and look. Uh, Galatians 1 verse 6, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Let's just, let's just make sure that we are on the same page about the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. And this salvation was accomplished through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It is offered to us by God's grace, his undeserved favor, and it is received by us through faith in Jesus. But you see, what is happening in Galatia was that some false teachers had come into the churches and they had started distorting the gospel by adding to the gospel. They started distorting the gospel by diluting the gospel. They were telling the believers that, yes, it's great to become a Christian, but putting your faith in Christ is not enough. Now you need to adopt some Jewish customs. Now you need to come back under the law to earn a right standing with God. Now you need to be circumcised. Now you need to follow all the food laws. And, and this new, these new churches were being led astray and divided by these false teachers. And some were starting to question the Apostle Paul's authority. And some were starting to question the gospel itself. And so Paul in Galatians three, now 3 goes into a pretty strong rebuke. Look with me at Galatians 3, verse 1. Again, we'll go through these first five verses quickly because I've already preached through them, but since it, since it was a month ago, let's just look through these quickly. Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as, as crucified. He then uses two examples to rebuke and correct them. Two examples. He first uses their experience in receiving the Spirit, okay? So the first example he uses to rebuke and correct their thinking is, is how they experienced receiving the Spirit. Look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law 
or by hearing with faith. It wasn't, it wasn't after you checked all the right boxes that the Spirit came. It wasn't through works or good deeds. It was through faith that you received the Spirit. And one of the, the blessings that we'll talk about more this morning, of one of the blessings of being part of the family of God is that we now have the indwelling Holy Spirit. What a blessing that is. Look at verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's reminding them, hey, it was through faith that you received the Spirit. Do not forget that. Do not go back to thinking that it was by works that you received the Spirit. It was through faith. So that's the first example, the example of their experience receiving the Spirit. He's, he's rebuking them by giving them that example. But now, this morning, what we're going to talk about is his second example that he uses to correct them. And the second example he uses to correct them is the example, an example from history. And he brings up Abraham. Look at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, if you grew up in church, you might have learned the children's song, Father Abraham. Does anyone, is anyone familiar with that? Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Go ahead, sing with me. I am one of them, and so are you. So... Okay, yeah, most of you know it. Good job. I agree with the theology of that song. Galatians 3 and chapter 4 agree with the theology of that song. So if you want to space out on me the next few weeks at going through Galatians, as long as you know that song, you're going to be tracking with us a little bit. Now, I'm not sure I agree or understand all the hand motions and movements that usually go along with that song. You guys know, I don't know how that got a part of it. And as, as someone who occasionally experiences vertigo, I do not like the head up and down, spin around part. So we're not going to do the motions here this morning. I'll let you do that in your homes or in your city groups uh, as we remember about Father Abraham. But that, that children's song, it is a pretty good summary of the next couple chapters of Galatians. And because, uh, so in our journey of towards understanding, receiving, and living out the gospel of grace, as you see on our, our sermon series slide, in, in our journey towards that, we must also understand, receive, and live out that through faith in Christ, we've become a part of the family of faith, the family of God. This, this is a piece to the, the puzzle of trying to understand, receive, and live out the gospel of grace. It's that we have to understand, receive, and live out that we have become a part of the family of faith, the family of God. And so today we must ask and answer the question, is faith in Christ really enough to enter into and experience all the blessings of the family of God? And to answer that big question, we're going to look to God's word to answer two questions along the way. First question is, who are the real children of Abraham? And the second question is, how do we experience all the blessings of the family of God? So that's where we're going this morning. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll look at Galatians 3. Father, we thank you for your word. What a privilege it is, Lord, to be able to, to hold your word in our hands, to open it up, to read it to proclaim it, to receive it. Help us not take this for granted. 
We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would empower the proclamation of your word. Anything, Lord, that I have to say in my own strength or in my own understanding or wisdom, Lord, it will not bear fruit unless you empower it. And so I ask, Spirit, for your help. We ask that Christ would be exalted this morning. We ask that our hearts would be stirred up to greater faith and love of God and love of others. Lord, I think now of Joni and the El Salvador team uh, down in El Salvador. We ask, God, that you would help them get settled in there well, that you would uh, continue to provide enough uh, host family homes for for all the uh, team members to have a, a place to be. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, give them some some rest, a good time with the church family there in El Salvador, and we ask that you would equip them and strengthen them for the work that you have for them there this week. Lord, I lift up to you all in our congregation who are sick or recovering from illness, and Lord, we ask that you would strengthen uh, strengthen those that are, that are not feeling physically well. We ask, Lord, that you would provide recovery and healing to them. We ask that in a time of illness that you would you would use it and work it to, to strengthen, Lord, their faith and to draw them even closer to you and, and that this would give an opportunity as a church family to surround one another, to love and care for one another. So, Lord, we ask that today you would, you would be treasured, you would be honored, you'd be glorified by those listening here today and those at home who are ill. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look with me now at Galatians 3, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is a a brilliant move by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to bring Abraham into his argument. Because you see, Abraham was someone that the false teachers in Galatia were likely bragging about. You see, uh, the same was true today as, as, as it was back then. People that don't have faith in God, people that aren't making much of Christ, they typically like to take pride in the group of people that they are a part of. They like to have a group that they can take pride in. And this was, this was the pattern that we see, out, see play out throughout the New Testament as well as into today. Uh, John the Baptist, he was the first in the New Testament to address it. John the Baptist warned people in Matthew 3 verse 9. He said, And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. John the Baptist, he, he, he's, he's the first one on the scene giving a warning. Hey, don't assume just because you're in the right family line, don't think that that excuses you from exercising faith in God. Don't take pride in Abraham. If you're not going to follow the God he followed, God can call and raise up children for his family, even from these stones. John the Baptist gives a strong warning. Jesus had to confront this as well. Uh, The Pharisees were bragging to Jesus that they were the offspring of Abraham. And Jesus said, if you were the true offspring of Abraham, then you would do and believe what Abraham did and believed. And Jesus told the, the religious leaders of his day that their father was actually the devil. But isn't this even a temptation for us today? There are people who have more faith in the family or the church they're a part of 
than they have in God. Instead of having faith in God, it's easier to just have faith in our church or the group of people that we're a part of. Well, you know, I go to Franklin City Church. It's a good church. There are people there who have faith. I mean, I'm not living by faith today, but I'm pretty sure uh, my pastors are living by faith today. I'm pretty sure some people in the church are living by faith today. I'm pretty sure Joni in El Salvador is living by faith today. I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, Don Harrington's preparing to go to the Dominican in, in February. The Moors are praying about future mission stuff. I mean, people, people are praying about what they're going to do, taking steps of faith. And we can think that because we are surrounded by people who are trusting God, that that excuses us from trusting God today. It's almost like the less faith we have in God, the more we want a group that we can brag about or put our faith in. Church, being surrounded by or being raised by people who have faith in God, that is, a, that is a great blessing. Not everyone gets that. Don't take that for granted. But listen, just being around people with faith and trusting in their faith, that is not enough to enter into and experience all the blessings of being a part of the family of God. It's only personal faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is the only way to enter into and experience all of the blessings of the family of God. And so kids, I know we've got a lot of kids in here today. Kids, listen up. Let me, let me have your, your attention if I didn't already have it. Praise God that you have been blessed to be in a household, whatever it looks like, but someone has brought you today to this church, to hear about the goodness and the grace of God. Praise God for that. What a blessing that is. Jesus loves children. <clears throat> he says, let the children come to me, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls children to come to him, to trust him. And so kids, are you trusting Jesus for your life and salvation today. Start trusting him today. Praise God for your family that brought you, but you start trusting Jesus today. And we all, we all have a different family story. We all have a different family story. Some good, some bad. Some godly, some ungodly. Some broken, some whole. Some divided, some united. Whatever your family was like, it was ultimately supposed to point you to a greater reality, and that is that God wants you to be part of his family. God wants you to be part of his family. Just like marriage points to a greater reality, so does the family. One of the many reasons we hold marriage in such high regard is because it's supposed to be a reflection of Christ's love for his bride, the church. And Christ doesn't quit on his bride, and he doesn't abandon his bride, even when the going gets tough and the bride gets crazy. And so one of the most Christ-exalting things in the universe is when a husband lays his life down for his bride. 
And it's why the enemy will do whatever he can to convince men that there is something more important on his priority list than exalting Christ in his marriage. For those of you who are married, the most important priority and thing you need to ask yourself is this, is how can I exalt Christ in my marriage? Regardless of the circumstances, how can I exalt Christ in my marriage? Because if you do that, if you seek to exalt Christ in your marriage, if you believe that your marriage is pointing to a greater reality, the Lord will restore to you the joy of his salvation. The spirit that you have grieved will be revived in your life. The joy and passion in your marriage will return because marriage is supposed to show the world of Christ's love for his church. And just like marriage points to a greater reality, so does the family. So does the family. And we're, we're coming out of a season, the Christmas season, where we've all you know, maybe had some opportunities to see some extended family or, or we haven't had opportunities to see family. And, and whether it was seeing them or not seeing them, there could be some discontentment that starts to stir in our hearts as to the, the state of our families, uh, depending on how weird the gatherings got these last few weeks. But God, in his sovereignty, wisdom, and goodness, he knew what it would take to get you to the point where you, through faith in Christ, would become a part of his family. And if you are a part of his family, take heart. All is well. Earthly families are temporary. His family, the family of faith, is an eternal family. God has allowed all of us to have different family dynamics. But each of those family dynamics he has used to lead each of us to this place this morning. To this place where we have now come by faith in Christ to enter into the family of God. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. Can you say that? Can you say, I am one of them? Do you believe that? Trust Christ and be grafted into Abraham's family, the family of God. Paul, Paul brings Abraham into this argument because the false teachers, they're leaning on their family tree more than the tree that Christ climbed up on. And so the question that Paul is addressing is not, will God keep his promises to Abraham? Everyone who knows the Lord believes that God is a promise-keeping God. The question is, who are the real children of Abraham? Look at verse 7, Galatians 3, verse 7. Know then, understand this, know this, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And here's where the brilliance of the rebuke of the false teachers really shines through. They're, they're bragging about Abraham, but they're not remembering Abraham's story correctly. <laughs> was Abraham, I mean, think of, for those of you that know about Abraham, was Abraham a perfect law-keeping Jew that they want everyone in the church to now look like? No, Abraham was justified and made right before God before the law was even given. 
For those that don't know the story of Abraham, it starts early on in your Bibles in Genesis 11 and 12. It's after the Tower of Babel where God confuses the languages of the people. He causes them to scatter all over the earth. But as he's scattering, as they're dispersing, God decides to call one man and create one family that will become a blessing to all the families of the earth and bring people from all nations into the family of God. God called Abraham not once he got his life cleaned up and kept the law perfectly. God called him out of paganism. Abraham didn't know the one true God. He worshipped other gods. He lived amongst a a people who who worshipped multiple gods, and they had a great pyramid to the moon god that they used to worship. We know this from, from Scripture, from Joshua 24, verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. God called Abraham while he served other gods and was worshiping the moon. And because of God's sovereign and gracious call, now all of a sudden, he, Abraham gets the glorious opportunity to enter into a personal relationship with the God who created the moon. And God then makes all these great promises to him. He promises him land. He promises him a great and large family. He promises that through his offspring, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed And here's the only problem with those great promises that Abraham received. I mean, yes, God promised him land, but he had no land. God promised him a huge family, but he had no kids. He couldn't see how God was going to do this. But he believed him, and he put his faith in him. And Genesis 15, 5 and 6 says, And God brought Abraham outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham was not justified by doing a certain amount of good works. He was not justified because of his family lineage or his ethnicity or his holy living. He was justified and counted righteous when he believed the Lord. It was through faith. The religious leaders in Jesus' day and the false teachers in Paul's day, they wanted to brag about Abraham, but they forgot Abraham's story. Abraham entered into and experienced the blessings of the family of God through faith. Through faith. And the same is true. For you and me, church. So to answer the first question, who are the real children of Abraham? I'd let Galatians 3 verse 7 answer that for us. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. We enter into and experience the blessings of the family of God, not through faith in our church, not through faith in our family, not through faith in other people's faith, but through faith in Jesus. But has it always been this way? I mean, yes, we see it in Abraham, but was that just kind of a, uh, I mean, has it always been this way? I mean, how could the religious leaders in Jesus' day and the false teachers in Paul's day and many people in our day, how can we all lose sight of the fact that it's always been about and always will be about trusting God? 
Look, look at verse 8 and see that the good news is not good news. All right, this is what verse 8 is telling us. The good news is not new news. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Church, the good news is not new news. The gospel of grace that Paul proclaimed to the Galatian churches was not a new gospel that he had come up with on his own. This was the gospel that was proclaimed to Abraham and even all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Let me remind you from Genesis 3.15, after the enemy deceived Adam and Eve, God speaking to the enemy says in Genesis 3.15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, even back in Genesis 3.15, we see the gospel proclaimed. Now, it was the gospel concealed as opposed to the gospel revealed after Christ's resurrection, God's not going to show all his cards to the enemy all at once. But nonetheless, even back in Genesis 3, the gospel was proclaimed that there would come from the offspring of the woman one who would come and crush the head of the serpent. And all throughout then the Old Testament, this is what we see play out. We see people start looking towards this coming Messiah and Savior and this Rescuer. Yes, in the Old Testament, we also see the effects of sin spread throughout the world and through all people groups. And yet we see God set his steadfast love on a people to bring about the Savior of the world who would make a way for all people to enter into and experience the blessings of being a part of the family of God. The gospel is given by grace, and it's received by faith, and this was and is how people enter into the family of God. E even when God gave them the law through Moses, which I know this is, this is one that, that maybe Christians, we, we get a little hung up on, like what about the law? It seems like that was more a time of people were saved by their works and obeying the law. But, but even in the law, God gave people a sacrificial system. And what is that? That is, that is grace. That is a way to deal with their sin, with a substitute. Admittedly, yes, it looked different than it does now. But people participated in the sacrificial system by grace through faith. It was God's grace to them that they had a way to deal with their sin, and they had to do it by faith, trusting that God would do what he promised to do. Entrance into the family of God has always been by grace through faith. I've heard it explained that it's as if Old Testament believers were saved on credit and we were saved on debit. If you want to try to distinguish the two. And what I mean by that is that Old Testament believers were dealing with their sin like some might use a credit card. They were, they were living by faith, trusting that someday God would send a Savior to cancel their debt of sin. And they made their minimum payments by sacrificing lambs and goats and bulls, but it never ever fully paid the debt that they owed, and there was no way they could sacrifice enough animals to get themselves out of the debt that they were in. These were temporary atonements that they had to keep repeating. But no matter how many lambs they sacrificed, it would never be enough to pay the full debt of sin. They were saved on credit. They were saved by a faith that was looking forward to the coming Savior. 
whereas we are saved by looking back to our Savior, who came 2,000 years ago, and he was God in the flesh. He was the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who came and died as the once-and-for-all sacrifice for his people. And it is through faith in Jesus that our sin and debts are canceled and our accounts are filled with his righteousness. It's not as if Jesus just wiped out our debt and then gave us a fresh start. Listen, we would, we would totally mess up a fresh start. We don't just need a fresh start. We needed our debt canceled, and we needed our accounts filled with the righteousness of Christ. And so the good news is not new news, and that is important because Christians have recently been tempted to neglect the Old Testament, a good chunk of our Bible, because we don't really see how it relates to us. We don't really see, uh, I mean, this is about Abraham's family. Why would we care about it? But when we understand that the family of God, the people of God, have always been saved by grace through faith, whether it's been looking forward to a Savior or looking backward to a Savior, this is how we have all come to be part of the family of God. And so Abraham's family story is now our family story. And we can read the pages of the Old Testament and we can see God's grace. We can see faith. We can see shadows and types of Christ. Yes, it's, it's a bit more concealed, whereas the New Testament, it's a bit more revealed. But, but it's all still there, church. And so it's important to know that the good news is not new news so that we do not neglect this scripture, this holy word that God has given to us in the Old Testament. Look back at Galatians 3, verse 8. And Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. But how exactly, how exactly is it that Abraham that in Abraham all the nations will be blessed. How do we experience the blessings of the family of God? And, we, and we've sort of been answering this all along the way, and, and that is we'll, we'll start, we will start to experience the blessings when we enter into the family of God through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the only law-keeping Jew there ever was, and we have been united to him. Jesus is the one who the blessings and promises of Abraham to, to Abraham find their fulfillment. And Paul's going to make this really clear in the coming verses, which we'll cover in the next couple of weeks. But if you look ahead in Galatians 3 to Galatians 3.14, he says, So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You see, we are justified and we receive the Spirit in Christ. That's what 3.14 says. It's in Christ that the blessing of Abraham comes to the Gentiles. Then look at verse 16, 3.16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. All the blessings and promises of God are fulfilled and flow through Christ. 
So what does this mean for Jews? It means they need Christ. What does this mean for Gentiles? It means they need Christ. The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, who is Christ. And everything that God promised to Abraham, God will keep to Christ. God will make Christ's family into a great kingdom. God will and has blessed Christ. God will make his name great. Whoever blesses Christ will be blessed. Whoever curses Christ will be cursed. And everyone on earth will be blessed. All the families of earth will be blessed through Christ. All blessings flow from God to Jew and Gentile through Christ. And the two specific blessings that Paul emphasizes in Galatians 3, a lot of blessings to being a part of the family of God, but two of the specific ones he mentions are the the blessings of justification and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Justification is, is being declared right with God, And we know that we are justified, we are declared right with him by grace through faith in Christ. Our accounts are filled with the righteousness of Christ, and therefore we stand right with God. Another blessing that we get to experience as we join the family of God is we receive the Holy Spirit. Remember what he's already talked about in the chapter, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or through faith? It was through faith you received the Spirit. But as ones who have been justified, and as ones who have received the Spirit, how do we now experience more and more of the blessings of the family of God? Well, one of the ways we experience more and more of the blessings of the family of God is by experiencing more and more of the Spirit by keeping in step with the Spirit. Paul's later going to say in Galatians 5.25, he's going to say, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now listen, those that are through faith in Christ, a part of the family of God, we can never lose our justification. We can never lose the Spirit of God, but we can get out of step with Him. The scripture says that we can grieve the spirit, that we can quench the spirit, and that we can get out of step with him. And when we've grieved him, when we've quenched him, when we get out of step with him, yes, we are always still part of the family of God, but we're not experiencing, we're not enjoying all the fullness of all the blessings that come with being a part of the family of God. And so I want to close this morning by just bringing up this topic of how do we get in step with the Spirit. The first thing we need to do to get in step with the Spirit is we need to confess and repent of sin that He convicts us of or that His Word shows us where in our lives that we are not in line with God's will. When the Spirit brings that, when the Word brings that, when a brother or sister brings that, when we see something in our life that is not in line with the will of God, we need to confess that to God. We need to confess that to one another. We need to receive His forgiveness. We need to turn from that sin. But then after that, if you want to be in step with the Spirit, you need to be about what the Spirit is about. 
And this makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you want to be more in sync with me this week, the best way is to join me in what I'm already doing. Most Sunday mornings, I'm here to worship the Lord. You, you guys have caught on to that. You were here. Good job. We're, we're in sync so far this week. Uh, uh, this Wednesday, I'll be here for the prayer gathering from 7 to 8. A Tuesday and Thursday, uh, I'll be coaching fifth grade boys basketball for anyone that wants to join. Uh, maybe don't all of you show up. That would be weird. But if you want to be hang out with me more, that's what I'm going to be doing Tuesday and Thursday night. Uh, throughout the rest of the week, I'll be meeting with people, and I like to read books, and I like to study, and I like to pray and spend time with Britt and the boys. And I love this church, and I like to pray and dream about and think about and plan about what, what God would have for us both now and in the future. And so if you want to be more in sync with me this week, then be about what I'm about. Take part in the work that I'm already doing, and we'll be more in step with one another. Many of us want to experience more of the Spirit. We want to be more in step with Him, but we do not know or care about what He's about. And Jesus very clearly told us what the Spirit was going to be all about. He said in John 16, 14, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit that He's going to send. He says, He will glorify me. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Church, the Spirit is all about exalting Christ. He's all about that. Loves to do that. Schedule's full this week. He's doing that. He's exalting Christ this week. If you want to be more in step with the Spirit... Yes, first trust Christ more, but then exalt Christ more because that's what the Spirit's already doing. If you want to be more in step with the Spirit, you need to wake up every morning and ask yourself these two questions. How can I trust Christ more today and how can I exalt Christ more today? Because that's what the Spirit's schedule is full of starting tomorrow and today and yesterday and Tuesday. You are not finding the right answers in your life because you are not asking yourself the right questions. And this is where we get off track. We, we love to ask ourselves just bad questions that lead to then wrong answers and, and get us off track with the will of God. And when we forget the blessings that we have, when we forget that we are a part of the family of God, when we forget about our justification and the indwelling Holy Spirit, we ask ourselves all sorts of horrible, wrong questions. We ask ourselves questions like, why is this happening to me? We ask ourselves questions like, why do people always treat me this way? We ask ourselves questions like, what will other people think about me? Why can't I catch a break? Why do I always have to deal with problems why don't others understand what I'm going through? Why do I feel so alone in this? What did I do to deserve this? We're asking ourselves all the wrong questions. As people who have entered into the family of God by grace through faith, as people who have been justified, declared right with God, and have received the Holy Spirit. 
in every situation, we can ask ourselves instead these questions. How can I trust Christ more in this? And how can I exalt Christ more in this? As the people of God, this is our family motto. I don't know if you've got a family motto. Think it through. I don't think we have a family motto, but we'll maybe work on one, all right? You know, most families, they have like a crest and a motto back in the day, all right? Maybe you should work on, on your own. Um, this would be maybe a good start to our family motto as the family of God. We trust Christ and we exalt Christ. That's what the family of faith is all about. That's what we wake up every morning and should be about. That's the, those are the questions we should be asking ourselves. How can I trust Christ more in this? How can I exalt Christ more in this? Is faith in Christ really enough to enter into and experience all the blessings of the family of God? Absolutely it is, church. Absolutely. Faith is enough in Christ. It is enough. This good news is not new news. It's all throughout the pages, both concealed and revealed. And get this, church. God wants you to be part of his family. God wants you to be part of his family. The, the, the joke that commonly goes around is that you, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. But God wants you to be in his family. Don't we many times feel unwanted? Don't we many times feel overlooked? Don't we waste so much energy and time in self-pity feeling this way? All the while, being able to read God's word to us and see that God wants us to be part of his family. And God wants you to experience and enjoy all the blessings of being in his family. God wants you to experience the joy of justification, the joy of being able to declare, I am right with God. I have been filled and clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That should, that should fill us with joy to know that we have been justified before God. God wants you to experience that. God wants you to experience the fullness of the Spirit to be in step with Him, to have the indwelling Spirit that's not grieved and not quenched, but who's guiding you, prompting you, in step with you. And if you want to experience all the blessings of being part of the family of God, then you must live by the family motto, we trust Christ in all things, we exalt Christ in all things. Let's pray.